Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host, and I am excited to be with you here today. And as always, we begin with a quote. Today's quote is by Pat Riley. Excellence is the gradual result of always striving to do better. I love this quote and I have a sneaking suspicion based upon all that I've heard about our amazing guest today that he lives by this as well. I am very happy to introduce you to Steve Schultz. He serves as head of strategic meetings, management and operations at Lincoln Financial Group. In 2019, Schultz received the Lincoln Financial Distributors Achievement of Excellence Award for his work in developing the best, most client-focused ways to do meetings and events, balancing compliance and process for the best experience for attendees. Prior to joining Lincoln in 2013, Schultz served as Director of Events with Global Spectrum, now Spectra, and earlier in his career, he served as Director of Operations and Game Presentation for the Philadelphia Soul of the Arena Football League. He is a frequent speaker at Cvent Connect and serves on the Cvent Customer Advisory Board. Schultz resides in New Jersey with his wife, Stephanie, and their two energetic children. I can't wait to introduce you to Steve. Steve, how are you today? Oh, Heather, thank you so much for that awesome introduction. I am doing fantastic. How are you? I am amazing. I love I love when somebody answers with a with a cool word like I'm fantastic because you know fine fine doesn't really cut it, right? No. I don't like that word. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan either. But I am a fan of all the incredible things that you have been doing with your career. And listeners, I didn't even read half of it. So make sure to check out the show notes if you want to learn a little bit more about Steve. But let's dive in to some questions. I'm probably going to be all over the board here for you, Steve. I hope you're ready for me. I know that you recently put together a hugely successful virtual national sales conference. And I also know that that is not an easy feat. So my question is, can you share the top challenges and also the out of the box solutions that contributed to the success? Oh man, starting <laughs> off on fire there, Heather. That is a loaded question. I will. I will do my best to, to answer it, but yeah, long story short, we had our first ever national sales conference, um, totally had to change uh, the way that we were thinking. Um, we never, you know, even attempted anything like this. Um, so we had a, you know, first thing was align ourselves with the right partners, right? We had to make sure we had all the right players um, at the table and that started internally. This event was the first time ever where there was over 200 people involved with the success of this event. And so just internally bringing together legal and procurement and communications team and the marketers um, on down to the event planners um, was absolutely like phenomenal. Um, we never had that experience. We never had that reach. So aligning the right players. And then, you know, obviously you have to select the right, you know, third party partners. So went through it an entire 
RFI process, making sure that we really nailed this one, and, and, and we certainly did. Um, coming off the meeting, you know, the success of this meeting uh, relied on 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 the people. Really, um, that's really what made the matter um, made it successful, and and the content. You know, when we originally started, everyone wanted to get to Steve. What's the what's the what's the solution? Give me the technology platform we're gonna see on event day. And as you know, there's so much that goes in before I can even answer that question. So really taking the time to define the goals and objectives to really put ourselves in our attendees' um, seat. So we're mission critical, mission focused on that customer attendee experience and keeping that and reminding people throughout the, the, the three to four month planning process that that is the end goal. So every decision that we made always resulted back, well, what does it look like, feel like for the attendee? Um, that was probably the biggest, the biggest takeaway. Oh, that's fantastic. And you know, I, I, I really want to draw attention to the collaboration aspect of it, the people, the relationships. Sometimes I run into people who there's a little bit of some, some siloing that's going on inside of an organization and they're not taking into consideration um, everyone and their part in it and perspectives and ultimately what you're talking about, how does this relate back to the experience for the end user? And so you were really looking at it uh, from a, an aerial perspective and taking everything into account. And I, I do believe that that had a lot to do with the success of this event. And I'm certain that that will continue with future ones. But I guess I'm asking something that I don't have the right to ask. What do you think is going to happen moving forward? Do you think that you'll be doing more of this type of event? Or do you think, when do you think it's going to come back to some more live events? What, what's your call? And I won't hold you to this. As long as you won't hold me to it. Um, <laughs> answer might change on the week, but uh, you know, taking a look back on it, uh, you know, we've been doing virtual events since last March. So coming up on a year, um, you know, ever since COVID happened, it forever changed the landscape of meetings and events, right? So you have to adapt and, and kind of overcome and, and incorporate that into your standard operating procedures. So um, I think we'd be naive to think that virtual won't play an element moving forward. Um, you know, it certainly has changed our thought process in, um, you know, analyzing and determining which meetings um, warrant going live versus virtual. So we're really um, changing our scoping mm -hmm. um, for, for, for the betterment of the organization. And then moving forward, you know, the, the thinking is that, you know, there will be a hybrid approach. There's a lot of benefits to having a broader reach and bringing in an audience that, you know, quite frankly, you don't have to, you know, book an airline ticket and a hotel room and all the T&E expense and, and everything to get them there. You can broaden your reach, send them a link, give them some, some curated um, content specific to hybrid users and, and do a great uh, way, uh, attend the experience of incorporating them into the overall you know, success of the event and making them feel like they're very much a part sitting in that room. So there's a nice way to blend the two. Um, I think they can each stand on their own um, if they will, but you know, moving forward when we're able to travel and hop on a plane again, um, for us, being financial professionals, we are social creatures. So there is that, um, that thirst and that craving for that social interaction to physically see your colleagues and your peers and, and be 
you know, in a physical presence that, you know, online can do a great thing, um, great way of bringing people together, but it can never replace lives. So I do believe there'll be a mix and a blend <laughs> of the, of the two moving forward. I agree with you. And, and I love it. You know, I, I went, you know, just a little bit kicking and screaming into virtual because I'm such a fan of the energy that you get when you meet people in person. But I agree completely that moving into the, the hybrid arena and keeping that as an option moving forward for years to come, even though even when we do the larger in person events, I think it's important to be able to, to broaden our reach. I actually just did a hybrid event last week that was very successful and you know I, I think it can it can really work for people I want to go backwards because part something in your bio just fascinated me so I want to go back to your position with Philadelphia Soul and it just it sounds like it was so much fun was it really as much fun as it sounded like and what learning did you receive there uh, it was it was a phenomenal experience it's funny looking back on it um, you know, I was right out of college. I was a sport management major. I landed an internship um, my senior year and was fortunate enough to, to stay on board and get hired. Um, and I remember everyone else was being all enamored with, we had a lot of high profile owners at the time. There was Bon Jovi and Ron Jaworski and Richie Sambora. And, and I remember my mom you know, she was like, oh, it's so, so cool. You get to meet them, this, that, and the other. And I remember thinking like, mom, this is, this is a job, you know, I got, I got to be professional. And, and so from day one, I never got enamored with that side of, of, you know, being all wrapped up in the fame. It was really about executing the job. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool that I, I, you know, I can say almost 16 years later, the people that I had the experience to learn from, I'm still in contact today. And they were some of my best mentors. Um, and, and the reason for my success that, that would carry on uh, for the years. Yes, it was fun. It was a lot of long hours. You know, there's so much that goes into a ticket before you walk up to that gate that the normal person has no idea what goes on. Um, I had the privilege of scripting every second from the time you get out of your car in the parking lot to what gets said on the loudspeakers, what video commercials you see outside the arena, what music's played the minute you step into the arena, to how the pregame presentation flows, and when we go house lights out and creating a lot of videos and um, on-field personnel from MCs to team crew to stunt crew to the cheerleaders. I mean, you get to curate everything. And to have that blank canvas be your starting point into sports, um, it, the, 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 the opportunity was limitless. It was whatever you wanted to make of it. And I had some pretty big shoes to fill from my predecessor um, who had the, the job before me. So I definitely didn't want to let him down personally. And I was just energized by the opportunity. Oh, that's so neat. And you know, it is really interesting. The less people realize all that goes into that type of an event, the better job you've actually done, right? If it's too obvious, that we don't want that. We just want it to be a seamless experience, right? So it sounds like you had it down and you learned some great things there that you've carried through to some of your other positions. I'm going to make a total shift. Are you ready? So I know that you have a wonderful relationship with your father. So I would love for you to tell us a bit about him and, you know, how that came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my dad, 
my dad's like my best friend. Um, you know, growing up, my, my father served in the uh, United States Marine Corps and, you know, he's a tough dad, um, tough, uh, growing up. He, he demanded discipline, um, organization. Um, and so when you're growing up in your, in your preteens and teens, you know, maybe you didn't want to hear the truth all the time and uh, maybe you didn't want to do some of the things or understand his ways. But as I got older, you got to appreciate it. Um, and, you know, we did every we did everything together and he means a lot to me. He's always my springboard. So whatever I'm going on, I, I talk to him on a daily basis. Um, you know, I speak to him very often and he's always there to kind of help guide me through. And it's really cool to see the transformation of your dad being this tough you know, hard-nosed Marine to when I started having children and seeing the softer side of my dad that I never, you know, had the ability to see growing up. I'm like, well, wait, I didn't get that dad, but my kids get to get the best of both worlds. And I think, I think that's really, really cool to see. That is outstanding. Yeah. It's so funny how different they are as parents versus grandparents. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, though. Well, keeping in the relationship arena here, I know that your family also has a fascinating and very heartwarming transplant story. Are you, is, is this too deep? Or are you okay to share that with us? Uh, like my mom says, we are an open book. We've been an open book our whole lives. So now nothing's off the record. Um, awesome. But yeah, my, my mom has one heck of a story that I told her we need to we need to put this down in writing because it's one for for the ages that defy all odds that defy all logic. Um, my mother's a two time kidney transplant recipient. Received her first one back in '89, and then uh, when I was a senior in high school, she became sick again. And you know, kidneys are only they only last about you know eight to nine years um, full functioning before they start to lose function, and then eventually you need another transplant. So there's a big um, misconception that dialysis, which is the form of how your, your body processes all the waste and things that you consume, dialysis is just a means to prolong. It's not a means to cure. Mm -hmm. So there are millions and millions and millions of people every single day hooked up to a machine eight hours a day just so they can live and take another breath the next day. So I was very young. I mean, I was you know four years old carrying dialysis boxes. Wow. You know, at home up to my mom's room, just so she can do what she needed to do to uh, prolong her life. And I've watched her fight every single day um, since, you know, as long as I can remember. And, and she's still with us. Um, mm -hmm. Man, there's so many times my mom's been down and out, given hours um, to live. And my mom just wasn't ready to give up in the fight. And, you know, some of that is, is, is my dad, you know, the Marine, keeping her going, yeah. keeping her in the fight, right? As they yeah. say. Some of that is her stubbornness, you know, her Italian Polish heritage, you know, that, that, that definitely kept her alive. Um, but in 20, 20, 2007, my parents um, at the time, my mom needed another kidney. And the old way of thinking was you had to be a direct compatible match, um, meaning I, I needed internally within our family be able to give up a kidney in order for my mom to receive. And that was the old way of thinking. And you talk about, you know, thinking outside the box, John Hopkins University in Baltimore were the first ones to develop what would now become the incompatible paired kidney exchange program. And my parents weren't the first, but they were one of the first five people to offer up a kidney. My father ends up donating a kidney 
And seven people later, my mom would receive one. So it's like this crazy social wow. networking, uh, you know, network of, of, of donors and recipients, seven donors, seven recipients. They both went under surgery at the same time, all great success. Um, and, 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 and they're all living. Um, so it was really unbelievable story. Um, you know, and, and my mom's not alone. She's just one of many. Um, I just had a front row seat to, to watch it all these years. And that had a lot to do with why, you know, you know, somewhat I'm thankful because it grounds you. Yeah. It grounds you and gives you perspective at a very young age where you didn't think you needed it. And that's what motivates me every day. You don't take one single breath for, for granted, no matter how small the task I'm given or how large of a task. I just think back that I'm fortunate enough just to be here to do it and to, you know, have two feet on the ground. So. Oh, Steve, that is an amazing, absolutely incredible story. And, you know, people, people astound me what they come up with when there is a challenge in front of them, the, the creativity uh, that went into creating that type of a, of a network like you're talking about. And, you know, I, I knew this when I first met you in the things that I hear about you, Steve, but you're, you're a very resilient person and you, you've got a great attitude. And now I'm finally realizing, you know, where this all comes from. It's really helpful to have um, been surrounded with that, um, that um, example as you're growing up. So thank you so much for, for digging deep there and sharing that with us. You know what? We're on a roll here with relationships. So let's chat a little bit about your incredible wife. Now you have a really fun first date story. So <laughs> should we go there? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Keep the ball rolling. Uh, <laughs> so, I can't believe we're talking about this. So my, yeah, my first date uh, with my wife. So my my wife was, uh, you know, she wasn't the athlete growing up, not until her senior or not until she hit high school that she decided to, to get involved with athletics. And she ends up running cross country and, and did very well for herself. She was, you know, ranked in the top of the state. And I didn't really understand. <laughs> I didn't, maybe I didn't understand or maybe Heather, maybe I just wasn't listening to that part. But, uh, you know, I had met Stephanie and uh, we decided to go on a first date. So I was like, all right, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, let's let's go for a run and see, <laughs> see where we go from there. And uh, little did I know that she was Miss, uh, you know, all state over there. And uh, she definitely left me in the dust. I thought it was going to be like a like a jogging, you know, let's <laughs> conversation. But uh, I learned very early on she's <laughs> she's very competitive and still is uh, to this day. But uh, she definitely left me in the dust that day. Oh, my gosh. But not overall, obviously. Yeah. So now you have a, a secret desire to be in the amazing race together. How much fun would that be? Oh, man, we tried. Uh, we definitely wanted to, uh, you know, we tried, uh, I think twice we auditioned for The Amazing Race and uh, we just never, never made the cut. But that that's still on the list. Uh, I, we still watch the show. I, I think it would uh, just a tremendous opportunity to see the world and to, um, you know, pull on each other's strengths. And, and I'm still curious to see how we would do, you know, matched up against some of these other, uh, you know, dynamite couples. 
Oh, I think it's just the coolest thing. I really do. So now that you're all warmed up, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, what else is she going to ask me? I want to know about the biggest fear or challenge that you have had to overcome. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, the biggest fear and challenge, and it's still alive today, and it still carries me through, is is kind of just not living up to expectations, not not living up, not to expectations, but not not making my parents proud, my wife proud, not living um, to the fullest extent that I know that I'm capable of. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, seize the day, right? Live every day to its fullest. And, and we do, we, we absolutely do. Um, we, we try to get as much accomplished throughout a day. Don't get me wrong. I, I try, I sit back and I do enjoy the, 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 the journey. I do, do smell the flowers um, every now and then, but just being driven to just give give this life my, my all, you know, we only get one shot at this thing and we're here for a very short time. So, you know, I can rest, <laughs> rest when that's all over, but, you know, really just pushing yourself to be great. Um, you know, and, and I think that's, that's what it comes down to. You know, there's, there's people that, that want to be good and, and, and that's okay. And, there, and there's other people that, that want to be great and, and leave a legacy, um, you know, behind them. And I, and I think that's what, that's what pushes me. And that's what kind of keeps me, keeps me going every single day. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect the name. You know, I think name's a big thing. And, and, you know, when I think about in my email signature, it started years ago, you know, I signed my name. I always did electronically before everyone started doing it more recently, but, you know, I always put my name attached to everything I was ever a part of because I was proud of it uh, and to represent it. And, you know, that's all I could, uh, could ask for. Wow. And you know, I, I did not know this answer from you when I came up with the quote in the beginning about excellence, but you really do live it every day, Steve. Do you have, a lot of times our, our listeners would want to take something away that they can use. So do you have an idea for them on, on how to stay positive or, or stay driven during difficult times, is this, what would be the biggest piece of advice you would give them? I'm sure it's nothing anyone's ever heard of. I, I really don't. I mean, I do reading. Um, I, I do have some things that I actually kind of just pick up. You got to do what, what, what works for you. And you got to really spend time in that zone to figure out what really gets you going. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't going to be something that... Um, you know, someone's going to give you the magical formula for it. But what I would say is, you know, when times are tough, you see people's true colors, right? So really surround yourself. You're, you're as good as what you surround yourself with. So surround yourself with a few key people um, that you can lean on. You can, you know, talk through good, bad, um, and different, and really um, use as a springboard to guide you and to overcome. As far as, um, you know, negativities are, you know, concern. I don't know if it's just perspective or whatever. I, I just, I don't have the time to, to, to allow myself to go there because it, it's, 
it, it's a moot point. You, you don't get anything out of it. So let's just think think about what's positive, what's what's possible, what what could happen. So always approach a problem by not you know why why it can't work or or why it won't work, but let's focus on why we can make it work or how we can make it work. And really that's where that creative side comes in and, and just throw some ideas out and don't be so judgmental on yourself, right? I think a lot of times we can get in our own heads and we can shoot ideas down before they're even um, even put on, on, on the board for consideration. So um, don't be too, too hard on yourself and uh, I think you'll be better off for it. Oh, those are great. I can't wait to, to figure out which one to put in our in our quote here from you. But you know what I'd love for you to do too, because I can't believe, I, yeah, I told you this is going to fly by. So it, I would love for you to share in a sentence or two what you love about Lincoln Financial and also let people know how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, sure. Um, what I love about Lincoln Financial, you know, Lincoln's a, uh, a special place. Um, you know, I joined them about six years ago, and within the first week, and it, it's still evident six weeks or six years later. Excuse me. Um, you know, the person next to you in the in the culture that they created, that person next to you wants to see you succeed as much as you want to see yourself succeed. So, the opportunities are kind of limitless within Lincoln. They have a very um, great culture of collaboration of diversity, of inclusion, of different ways of thinking, um, leadership. You know, we were founded, um, you know, after our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, and, and all the values that that he lived by. And we really put them to practice um, every day. And really just being in that culture, um, it just makes you want to show up to work, you know, show up, do great things, and for everyday Americans. So whether whether people realize it or not, but everyone in the, in the company impacts everyday Americans every day so that they can retire with dignity, whether directly or indirectly. And that's, that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. That's leaving your legacy, right? That's, that's outstanding. Absolutely. Now, um, do you have a, 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 pre a preference? Like, do you want people to maybe reach out on you on LinkedIn to reach you or what do you think? Yeah, link, LinkedIn's good. Um, I think it's Steve Schultz too. Um, okay. You'll see Lincoln Financial Group, um, Strategic Meetings Management. Um, yeah, always happy to connect with folks and, uh, you know, especially uh, those in the in the same space. We can, if for nothing else, we can share our, our challenges and our solutions together so that, you know, the pain points that we went through can be more beneficial uh, right. to others, so. I love that, Steve. You've been incredible. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom for people today as we close this out? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> final parting words of wisdom. I can't. Um, you know, just be authentic. Be, be yourself. Like I said, uh, we get one shot at this. Um, no sense in trying to fit into everyone else's um, expectations and opinions of it. Just do it your way. Um, as uniquely and as different a, as you want it to be. And you'll never have to remember who you said what to or, or, or how you acted because you just, you just act naturally and off your own instincts. And you can always be true to that. And I think that'll carry you a long way. I love that. Fantastic words of wisdom. I've loved your stories. You've been 
100% authentic throughout this entire thing. And I appreciate you. And those of you who are listening, if you have loved this as well, share it with a friend. Feel free to leave us a review. We love those. And thank you again, Steve. Have a beautiful day, everyone.